millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, welcome to Going Off Track. Welcome. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And together we are Going Off Track Podcast. Woo! Yep. And we've I've been here all day podcasting. Been podding like crazy lately, trying to get as many done as we can because we just love the podcast game. I'd like to get them in the can. Get them in the can. We yeah. Some of you may not know this. Some of these podcasts have been recorded a long time ago because we get them done way in advance. That way we always have ones done. Because you may also notice that we have one every week. Yeah. And also it allows us to have flexibility. So to release like, you know, we'll have guests that may not have a record out for like five weeks after they record the podcast. Yes. And so then we can like kind of coordinate because we want to do them all the good we can, man. And let's face it, they're going to sell thousands of records based on this yeah, podcast we've had alone. careers launched. Yeah. And here. destroyed. <laughs> uh a great example of what Brett's talking about is today's podcast with Emil Amos. Uh, yeah, that guy would be nowhere without us. Yes. <laughs> Emil was nothing when we found him. He was a little baby. It's the third time we've had him on. Yes. Look at look where he's at. This is our third podcast with Emil. I, actually, probably our fourth one counting the live podcast live. he did. True that. Um, and uh, Emil, you may know from Ohm, Grails, Holy Sons, Lilac and Champagne, and Holy Sons just came out with a new record. Came out September twenty third. It's called Fact Facer. It's on Thrill Jockey Records, and uh, they just play. Well, I guess you just missed their album release show, but hopefully you were there. Um, me and Emo also have another podcast we've been doing for the past year called Drifter Sympathy. That's available on Feral Audio. Um, we've probably recorded here at the re- recorded Converse here Rubber Tracks, Converse Tracks. Going uh, off track studio. Yes, we've as released it's called. It's another going off track Just podcast going studio. Off track studio. We've recorded a bunch of those. I believe at the time we're recording, the, we've released four episodes, but probably up to five or six by the time you hear this. Um, so yeah, it's just sort of a email. It sort of spawned out of going off track. Email just came on going off track a few times, and he's kind of became one of my favorite guests to talk to. So we thought, why not do our own podcast? Email had all these crazy stories, so it's a kind of a storytelling podcast. Um, email tells a story. And then me and him sort of discuss it. He edits in all this cool music and sound effects. And then every other podcast is kind of him digging through some of his musical stuff and kind of playing it. It's it's really interesting. Um, so, yeah, check out Feral Audio. 
for just your sympathy if you enjoyed this interview. And uh, yeah, this podcast, we sort of thought just have email back and going off track and just, you know, just see what happens. We always have great, great combos. So this is just another fucking awesome interview with Emil Amos. No, I mean, it's it's capitalist. Mm. It's become capitalist. And that's no fun. That's <laughs> like, you're not going to get more people tuning into CNN, showing pictures of that and covering the atrocity and trying to figure it out. You're more likely going to get people tuning away and going back to like, everybody loves Raymond, so you don't have to think about it. But if you show just some like wild haired man making a crazy comment and like, 18 talking heads responses to it you know that's something that's easy to watch while you're just like cooking dinner and chilling speaking of capitalism i've got to leverage this one podcast we make no money off into another one i'm not yes. gonna make any money off yeah <laughs> <laughs> love it <laughs> do you guys want to do like i think more of an opening thing before we I th- we'll do that later okay I think we treat this as like you just jump in. Like you've been a guest on the podcast. You were a guest on the podcast before we had yeah. our podcast. Before we were such close friends. Yeah. Um, so let's just go into it. Like you're a guest, but also let's be like. So let's maybe talk a little bit about. Well, I mean, we already have a topic going, but <laughs> so that I just ruined. Should, cruising. Should we just launch into that? We can, and then like let's throw an intro. Before I listened it. to the whole first episode you did? of your guys' podcast. Okay. It was super cool, by the okay. way. Okay. Thanks. Um, so, so how do you think we should start? I mean, I guess we I can mean, go back to talking about what you guys were talking about. I feel like now I fucked up the flow. Well, I, I wasn't feel sure like that, that was how transform. we... That like, seems like a little bit of a bummer. That subject could transform into pretty much yeah. the conversation everybody has nowadays. Sure. Which is about capitalism and clicks and shit like that. I mean, like... Okay. So what... Yeah, why don't... Pretend I never said anything. <laughs> I guess I didn't fuck this whole thing up, which I already did. Uh... <laughs> So, so did you guys see that, that photo of the sports team? <laughs> you guys see the photo of that Syrian kid? Oh, what what Syrian kid? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where is that? I don't know. I haven't. Isn't actually that seen biblical? It. I, I, I just learned about it like five minutes ago. I don't know. Oh, I, was, are you the, serious? You haven't seen it? No, I haven't. It's in the Old Testament. Oh man, right? Syria. Um. S- well, because pictures of children mean nothing to you. Oh yeah. So we were talking about yeah. Uh, Jonah has what general disinterest in other people's children. No, not true. And, their and how cute Benny's kid is. Benny's kid weird. is very cute. I'm not saying Benny's kid isn't cute. His and name's I, Zeke. Let's put some respect <laughs> on his name. You know what I'm saying? Zeke's very cute. I saw him do some some cool moves. Yeah. Uh, I think that's cute. Like, but if I didn't, okay. What about kids? Like, if that was just a random kid, you're like, this is my friend Ed's kid. I'd be like, don't care. Right. Is your kid. I was like, oh, it's Benny's kid. That's cool. Well, that's where I that's where I say now becoming a father, it's taken on a different face because I do see something in the picture of a kid like like I was mentioning before, how if you see a happy, healthy baby, that means that's indicative that there are parents that are doing their jobs correctly, which makes me happy because like the world's not falling apart that day. That kid's fine and his parents are nice to him. Right. That's good, you know? Um, And then, like, if I see a friend's baby, like, growing and nothing happened to it, you know how I feel about life. We're all in this game of odds and variables. Right. The older you get, 
every day you get older, your your odds of something fucked up happening just go up and up. Yeah. And and I, I feel the same way with kids. If I see a kid growing and I'm like, hey, he's still healthy. He's still happy. Nothing fucked up's happened to him. Good. Yeah. And then it gives me that. a general pleasure. Just because that. it's just a matter of time. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. The constant reminder that that the the giant being in a black cloak is always waiting. See, for I you. always had even it, children. I always had it like it was just one of those things I just didn't really care about for a long time. Where it's like when people talking about their diets, like, well, actually, like you know, cavemen didn't eat uh, carbs, and I'm like, dude, I can't. Like, I don't care what you're eating. <laughs> like, that's to me. Like, check out this kid. I'm like, uh huh. Like, like <laughs> let's wait for this topic to pass over so we can get to something. Like, let's talk about like the jealous sound or whatever. I don't know. Is there like a a specific kind of I haven't had kids, so I don't know. But is there like a specific pang of guilt that you get after a child is born or before they're born? It's all or, guilt. Yeah, play forward. But an existential <laughs> pang where you're like, I, I just condemned you to life and death. Like, is there is there like a feeling where you're like, oh shit, I just did something to you that you can't take back? You know, the I'm studio so life just got a little darker. That, actually. I've been that, thinking about it. That's been like racking my brain for months, actually, is like this general <laughs> concept of like not only the introduction of like, because I see this creature right now, right? And yeah, I call my kid a creature. How, this, how old? How old is he? He's, he's about seven months now. Okay. He's a beast. He's a beast. <laughs> he's a cool dude. But I watch him and I'm fascinated looking at him sometimes to I want to spend five minutes in his head because I know the exact same thing that both of us are looking at is perceived completely different through his eyes. His total understanding of it, visual, um, oral, everything, everything about the stimulation of this moment is processed differently in his brain to mine. And I'm slowly watching this process of his brain turn into something closer to mine. So we're perceiving the same thing. And that's like, I guess, community and family and and the general nature of just like growing and adapting. But the thing inside of that is with, like you pointed out, Emil, is that with every truth that he's about to find, he's about to find something fucked up about the world that even I as an adult still struggle with. And he has to get this. He has to like get to this point and I'm already racking my brain about how I'm going to discuss death, how I'm going to discuss that concept in general. Brad, how did you take that? How did you, <laughs> I haven't really got there yet. You didn't get there yet. I mean, it's What's been talked about. Do you have my a daughter, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, we haven't hidden it from her. She's a, she kind of gets it, but we haven't, she hasn't had any, uh, we haven't had to really deal with it too heavily yet. Are you going like better place in the sky? Or are you going world? She gets a little bit of that from her mom, not from me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that your contradiction to her is going to fuck your kid up, right? The contradiction in what sense? Did we like, have different beliefs? Uh, well, if you publicly show your child you have different <laughs> beliefs, you're like essentially instilling an existential I crutch. I do it in a way that's not contradicting my wife, I hope. Okay. I hope. Careful. I don't deny the existence <laughs> of quote-unquote heaven, but I um, have tried to make it clear that 
this is your shot, baby. <laughs> Emo, is, is this like your line whenever someone's like, oh, I just said a kid, like, have you told him you've condemned him <laughs> to life for 90 years, something he never or she never asked for? Uh, I was just thinking about it last night. I was having, I've been having like some pretty, uh, I guess, difficult times lately where I'm like moving and, and there's a lot of shit up in the air. And I was walking like down the street in a daze, kind of thinking about my mother who I just visited, who was also having a similarly difficult time. And so I just thought about what she'd condemned me to and why she had had me, you know, and the pressure of creating something to go into this world. I mean, you see these articles like... uh, there's one like yesterday, something like another reason to not have a child, you know. <laughs> uh, There's only reasons to not have a child. It really. was like that a, a person or a child creates a carbon imprint of, you know, <laughs> oh, nine million way. tons or right. some shit, you know, whatever. Uh, so kill the kids, save the planet. Maybe. Like uh, it. But <laughs> I just was kind of spinning around in my head uh, the sense of. Well, there's a lot of different directions I could take this, but um, essentially, like, you're having something. I don't know how old you are. I'm 35. 35. But you're having you're having a child that, that, and you know, at around 35, you know that you'll never know. You'll you know that you'll never sure. possess really anything. You know that it's just a matter of time before you're in a casket. You know all this these kind of thirty five is like a perfect age to 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 glimpse like true mortality, you know. So it's sure. kind of this strange passing of the torch and you know this existential secret and then this thing is being born right into the 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 sort of like burst of optimism that you live off for those first thirty five years that wow. erodes sort of. <laughs> you know what I mean? My burst of optimism lasted about 11 years. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, this is also basing it all on a sort of morbid physiological look sure. on the human experience. Like this is all based on growth, uh, decomposition and death, mm-hmm. essentially, just like the bare facts of it all. But they are facts. They are facts. Yeah. Undeniable facts. Right. But then there are questions. And like, there are doors to go down. Yeah. You know, the the impulses of of the human mind, the subconscious, the conscious mind, like all these things that allow us to even go on this path, unlike animals, to go on this path of finding our purposes and our, in their case, porpoises. Um, but... <laughs> I thought that was kind of that was good. That was nice. I went for like that's why I looked right at you no, after it was that good. happened. Let me let me ask you this question: <laughs> Would you, if you had to choose, um, would you rather have like your mind go, or like or your body? Body. Like, if if you had to like lose a limb or something, stop working, would you rather that or like get some dementia or something where you like to me one hundred fifty percent? I would rather a physical thing decline on me than my mind. Yeah. yeah. That is a much scarier place to be in, I think, is in that place where, because, you know, and and you're into meditation, you're into yoga. Apparently, 
the only thing important enough is your inward experience. Right. And, and if you learn how to go inward enough in certain ways with breathing and thought that you can actually like deny all outside elements, like the same way those yogis can sit right in like a blizzard and their, and their body doesn't get cold or something like that, you know? So sometimes I even wonder, do I want someone to pull the plug on me if I'm a vegetable? Because Maybe I'll just be super fucking high on morphine and I'll <laughs> be, be on this like crazy yeah. spiritual mental journey in my mind that's taking me all these places and the physical is just whatever. Fuck it. You don't even need it. Um, so in long, I I would prefer to lose my body. How about you, Emil? Yeah. What about you, Amy? <sighs> I don't know. I, something in me said mind first because <laughs> because i uh i i'm really sensitive about my body like i'm getting old enough to feel like weird if i sleep funny like i can i can feel something strange in my hip or something and then all i do is just think about that mm. so if my body was fucking up and i had my mind all i would do is think about how fucked up my body is <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> whereas if it was the other way around at least i would you know like my grandma she's just she thinks she rules the fucking world you know she just thinks like she is the queen of it all because she's not quite there anymore you know right well but, seems okay but like with like you know duncan's podcast he's been so into this virtual reality stuff with like the you know, Emo's friend, he's on his podcast a lot. And this guy's like, does it with the HTC vibe? I've seen videos of it, and it's like, it's insane. Like, you're like in the ocean, you're looking at whales. Wait, explain to me what this is. It's just like, um, it's just like a virtual reality system, I guess, where you have these like things in your hands and you can like do archery, whatever. But supposedly it's really good. And I was like, by the time we're like in our 70s or 80s, it'll probably be so good where I'm like, I could just be in some virtual world if my mind works, like hanging out with playmates. Like, you know what I mean? Like floating around, like it might be awesome. And like, you who's would, to say that isn't my reality if that's like what I'm experiencing all the time? You would make a, a pretty dope laser suit, Larry. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but what would it look like then? I, I imagine that world to end up all looking like Kerrang! from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> where we're all just these minds in electronic portals because we let our bodies yeah but i think so that's in inevitable i mean i you know it's interesting though is like what they were saying was that in a lot of ways gamers are going to be like more in shape because all these games virtual reality stuff is so physical mm. a lot of it's like boxing or archery and you can actually learn how to do stuff where you're not just sitting on the couch with a controller yeah but that's what they said about we fit yeah but like this where is, did that go but I think that was just such a like a nascent stage of that stuff. We thought it was pretty fun though. But there are some. I, I recently read an article about how there have been actual like physiological ties to having stomach problems and depression, and not the fact that like not this conscious reality that oh my stomach hurts now I'm sad like an actual chemical, you know. I don't know what you call it, even like a chemical dispersion that goes up because of a stomach problem that actually leads to whatever uh, would cause depression in your mind. It's actually chemical. So really? if that's the case and you were just sitting there, let your body decline, your mind is part of your body. Right. It would all decline. That's why that question is so hard, too, is like the mind and body are so insanely 
connected. I, I can't even really answer it. You know what I mean? About which should go first. But yeah, I hate to throw it to Jonah, but obviously that's what yoga is all about, right? Yeah. The whole point of yoga was to to achieve peace in your mind. Totally. Yeah, I'm sure if you asked a yoga teacher, they would be like, sure, mind. Which is like crazy because it's such a physical yeah. way around it. Hmm. Of course, I don't, I don't see the massive, the masses embracing it so they can play better video games. Yeah. <laughs> In college, me and Duncan took, uh, it's like the fourth time I've used the word existentialism for some reason. Uh, but we took. You write that down in the keyword. <laughs> yeah. <but> then, <laughs> uh, hashtag it. Um, <clears throat> we took a class, we took an existentialist class together and, uh, you know, if you're lucky, you have a breakthrough where you're like freaking out about the issues that the class is about, you know, at that time. Most of the kids are sitting around trying to wrap their heads around, you know, something Heidegger said or, so, you know, something just totally abstract and they learn nothing from it. But I think both me and Duncan were both in a crisis when we were in the class. And I remember... uh Duncan having like a really difficult time grasping a particular analogy or metaphor one day. And he was almost like, like yelling at the teacher in the <laughs> class, like, so you're telling me I'm falling from a building and I'm just, I just got to pretend it's not happening. I'm not falling from a building. That's what you're telling me. He was kind of attacking like almost like a Buddhist tenant or something. Like, you know, to just, just disassociate from this. How can I disassociate from this or something like that? And I, we, we ended up having like a big argument about it. But I think one reason why I kind of obsess over the morbid details is because I felt like it gave life meaning to like to try to like look at the ceiling of it, you know, to to sort of acknowledge it was ending instead of I think the virtual reality thing is part of a spiritual movement to escape. Mm -hmm. And that's a value judgment on my part. And I'm still open minded about it. I'm not like cl closing the door. Totally on it. agree with that judgment. Yeah. But but to me, it's like. I think that if you're falling from a building or whatever, there are, there are a few different ways you can interpret that situation. And Sartre, maybe that's why we're studying it, because Sartre was like, you know, you, it's your choice. That's what he was trying to drill into people. It's your choice to interpret this situation. Even if you have no fucking arms or whatever, it's still your choice to interpret the situation. And so for whatever reason, I think the way my brain works is it it's sort of it really stares at the concrete wall I'm driving towards, you know, at 90 miles per hour. Whereas another person is like, I don't want to look that direction. I would rather look off in a fucking ocean sea breeze setting, you know, where I'm jet skiing infinitely <laughs> towards God or something. But that doesn't make me happy. So I think they're just two different um, devices to get back to something that grounds you and even if I'm talking about morbid details, it's all within reference to, um, if I'm talking about the disillusion of, of optimism, I'm still talking about optimism and I'm still talking about 
the beauty of naivety and I'm still value, valuing it. It's just that I get obsessed with what it is. And when you start to focus on what it is, it goes away and you can't grasp it, you know? And so it's just part of life is thinking about youth and what goes on inside a child's mind, like what sure. you were talking about, and what happens to that, and and what can be done about it. Me and Jonah talk about it a lot on our podcast too. Well, that's interesting because, um, you know, you're obviously a busy guy, and you know I could tell that just from like the body of work and things like that, and listening to the new podcast you and Jonah did, which I soaked in this morning, which I liked very much, and had a stories told about me about Los Angeles and your experience there, and it was pretty fucking cool, I thought, and I really loved the stories. Like, do you think that a person without a general faith, like someone who does believe that this is not only dictated by God, but you're going to wind up in God's hands after, and this part of the journey isn't the most important part of the journey, to someone who doesn't believe in it, I feel like you can either sometimes dilute the natural thought with virtual reality video games, with yoga, with like all these things to me that are essentially the alternate distractions to a belief in God and faith. And that nagging sense, though, in you humans in general to have to find that thing, that safe place, that answer that's the thing that always makes me question the connection between a human consciousness in general and the search for more, which always makes me think there is more based on that instinct. Um, you follow? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I do. <actually. laughs> I didn't know if I was just like going off and, and it wasn't making sense anymore. No, I mean, so. I had an experience when I was really young where my, it must've been like 16 or 17 in my, I've pretty much always been atheist, I think, since I could really think about it. My folks were away and the guy who I would describe as my mentor, he was like my dad's best friend. Somebody called the house and told me that he'd been killed in an accident and I was all alone. And it was the first time that I'd known somebody who died and I had to think about it. And I was, it was really intense because I didn't have anybody around me. Family was gone. And I came to this conclusion that his his energy, that what I knew of him was so fucking intense that I couldn't imagine it being switched off like a light. And I still wasn't religious, but it just seemed, from what I knew about physics and science, it seemed impossible. You were how old? I was, I think it was the summer of my, uh, right before my junior year in high school. So I would have been like 16... I guess, or 17. Um, yeah, and I had a, plenty of time to sit around uh, and think about it, which I did. And I really, I think I formulated a lot of views of, of all of that at that point. Hmm. I still did not believe in an afterlife, but somehow I just couldn't believe that that energy d had disappeared. I mean, kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, like, it is. It's that, it's that like inert thought in times of crisis or the weird reason why every time someone is in some type of crisis situation, you start asking for help. You start <laughs> looking for something. And who the fuck are you talking to? Could just like every time, you know? And I'm not saying you're talking to God or trying to receive God, but there seems to be this inherent instinct 
to to need more than what's in front right. of our eyes. And I do think Emile's right in the modern cultural revolution of it is is it's it's kind of left the church it seems like and kind of left faith and it's going more towards distraction where entertainment seems to be the new god in in a lot of ways but the the thing i was asking all that stuff before was i find personally that that all these thoughts and a kind of constant nagging about the end of your own life can be easily used as motivation do you find it like motivating personally? Well, that's what I was going to say is like, no matter what um, methodology you have in everyday life, you know, no matter what device you use to perform, your life will be judged or, you know, by your actions, essentially. So if you're, if whatever device you're using, your thought device helps you and your performance is better for it then who cares what it is, you know? I mean, it it just seems arbitrary. But if you reduce it down to, to the scientific, you know, like your contribution to the earth or whatever, uh, it seems like you could probably rationalize just about anything. As long as you're, like, performing well, who fucking cares? But I think that there's a lot of arbitrariness in that. I don't know that I need to even, like, uh, optimism is fleeting, youth is fleeting, you know, naivety is fleeting, but there's something about it that is the life source of everything. You mm -hmm. know, it's like you can't live and and operate without the sense that things are generally okay. You know, if you're bogged down and you're completely focusing on the the deterioration of your body or something, you're probably not that present, right? You're probably disturbed, mm -hmm. you know? And so there's a battle going on inside of your brain in your life between the negatives that are pulling this whale down, you know, and then the things that are like in the distance that you're fighting towards, you know? And... I don't think anybody has the answer so much as just dedicating themselves to the things that seem to give them more life, right. you know? So it, 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 whether or not that's God or whatever, it just seems arbitrary. It could be fucking Triscuits, you know? Sure. <laughs> but Benny, I feel like you, like you keep talking about distractions as like, and to me, like I feel a little different. Like I feel like whether it's virtual reality or yoga or like, you know I mean? psychedelics i mean like i feel like that that you know if you make that your reality if you're like experiencing stuff through that or through that lens or that's what's happening to you like that sort of becomes your reality like it doesn't necessarily have to be like a separate plane of like hmm. you're at the grocery store or whatever that's like real life right like, i feel like those two things can sort of like you can create your own reality to an existence through that kind of stuff yeah yeah sure I could see that. And I could also see where some people get the same kind of feeling of self-enlightenment through yoga. And some people find it walking around these like fantastic like, you know, villages on PlayStation where they're just wandering around like totally for fucking I, chickens. But th there and, is some there is a delineation in there, I think. How so? I mean, it would be. Don't you think it'd be kind of sloppy if we're just like, it's all the same, it's, you know, do what you want, <laughs> you know, whatever. 
um, murder a child, you know, whatever. Uh, well, it, yeah, totally. It seems kind of like if you're just wandering through life, you know, and it's in a digital, you know, mountain sunset, you know, that someone else has created for you. Mm. I mean, I guess you could say maybe you're living God, their reality. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, who 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 made the mountains in real life for you? I don't know, but it's just that. That's a fun thought, actually. <laughs> the idea that some like three hundred twenty pound programmer in like Palo Alto <laughs> is your god <laughs> because Sim- he created the seas totally, and the mountains totally. that you wander through. A simulation theory—that's like a whole. Yeah, big, we could be in it thing. now, man. Yeah, yeah. even. That makes more sense than almost anything else. <laughs> and then there's a, much there's another part to <laughs> yeah. it that we talked about in here before, but like how it seems like if it is a simulation, like. As you end the end of like your game, like the world seems to like be ending because your world is ending, right. and it definitely seems like the world is ending. Sure, like this election and all that shit. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> so it's like maybe this is just like some guys like let's just ramp it up and then fuck you know. Yeah, I gotta like I'm gonna go. But jerk, doesn't jerk some off and fucked up game of Sim, Yeah, some fucked up version of Sim City. Yeah, where he yeah. just <laughs> needs to inject something into us right now. It seems yeah. a little weird though that like, you know. You could plug straight into the main line of life, or you could be someone that has to like buy a, a computer and and be able to afford these goggles and right. do all this shit and and praise praise the three hundred and fifty pound programmer. <laughs> you know, that's like that's a pretty weird like first world you know way of <laughs> plugging into the main line of life or whatever. Whereas some other person somewhere else who doesn't have that or will never need that uh would see that as a pretty bizarre process to get you know the fucking nectar of life out of everything you know that seems that seems pretty exotic and strange to to have to plug into this machine it's almost like some sort of iron lung or something yeah but i I, guess that's where there's not one answer because that kind of goes down to what you're actually looking to get out of life sure some people just want to die peaceful and happy yeah and they don't really care how they get there and some people want a kiss casket yeah yeah <laughs> which is fucking awesome <laughs> totally. you've but, seen those right no oh my god are you dude. fucking kidding no they're incredible really? how, how much what are we like, what are we talking 10 g boston red Sox caskets how much is you a never kiss seen casket? what's a kiss casket no, go for you think uh, uh probably more than the pinball machine wow yeah look it up brad <laughs> this is important Wait, and can you choose the members of kiss or I'm like sure the different can, like if styles. You, if you're gonna put down the money, you can probably get whatever. Wow. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Brad is on the internet looking into Shit. the kiss casket. It was just a joke, but it, it it's it's <laughs> a kind of a true yeah sad metaphor. Yeah. Isn't it? Wait, I think you want to go. I think that's a real casket site. <laughs> this is the darkest podcast we've ever done <laughs> oh, yeah. for sure. Once we end up on the casket <laughs> shopping website, kiss cat. Oh, with a K, casket. Yeah. Wow, where do these come kiss from? Man, kiss Whoa. forever. Yeah. <laughs> so we're looking at a casket on a monitor. Which is, what, like the silhouette of all the faces, kiss forever, giant crowd shot. Do you think any... What if you're a person in that crowd shot? <laughs> then I would definitely oh, buy the casket. Do you think any super kiss super fans just sleep in the casket? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ups- How much is like, it, Like, probably standing up, too. 
Oh, oh my god. Oh, look at those Metallica bobbleheads. <laughs> so those his casket cool. goes for Yeah, what are we looking at here? Oh, the price is forty five hundred unsigned, five grand signed. Signed. You know what? That's that's reasonable. I wonder how high quality though. It might be a really <laughs> shitty casket. A, like you don't want one that bugs are going to just eat through in like two days. What do you mean? Don't you want to go back want, into man. the earth? Yeah, yeah. That's what I, I guess. And what's the point of getting a casket? You're Jew. Like, law, like we get buried, buried in literally in a, a pine box. <laughs> what are you sweating here? You're going in one. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Seems Unless expensive. you actually get a will together, <laughs> you're fucking going in one. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> so here, here's something you mentioned earlier. That freaks me out. Okay. And maybe we can talk about it a okay. little. And this has happened not through my search into like existentialism and spiritual things. This has gone more in my knowledge of history and my knowledge of how shitty humans and particularly groups of humans can be. Is you say where life is judged by our actions the physical things that we actually do and say and contribute and stuff like that. thing that scares me about that is say you live this life. You live a life where all you did was contribute in a positive way and, and treat people well and you handled your business in that kind of way. And then right at the end, one group of people goes, oh, all of them, fuck you. You were all heathens. You were all terrible. You all fucked each other. And then those people wrote history and everything, the the judgment of your actions, everything you left behind on earth is basically like somebody else said that it was all wrong. I know. I know that's (laughs) the way it is. And I read history and I'm like, all I'm reading right now is whoever wants interpretation of whatever the fuck happened. And that's where without God... Man, life fucking sucks. Like the idea that no one ever in the history of the world is ever going to know you did a good job and contributed because someone else decided you can't. And that's where I'm like, fuck, I wish there was someone in the sky who'd just be like, no, no, no. I saw it, Ben. (laughs) You did the right thing. Thanks. Good looking out. (laughs) That was a great drawing you did in third grade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of like some, you know, some group of assholes at the end. I'm Jewish. Like, so often some group of assholes has tried to to eliminate everything we thought and did in the world. So that's what that's what sometimes when I go back to this brutal, atheistic, super physiological look on the world, it just makes me sad and I want more because it's sad that that happens. It sounds like you're <clears throat> asking for too much, though, out of, okay. out of life. Okay. Right? I mean, like, you Maybe. have to have some pretty humble expectations. And there's, like, how many famous people are there that span centuries and centuries? Like that four. That have, yeah, yeah. There's Christ. There's Genghis Khan. Sure. Who is the next one? John. I'm just going through Bill and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> Socrates, Joan of Arc, Napoleon, Napoleon, Abraham Lincoln. Right. These are Phyllis the figures Preston of Esquire, Ted Theodore Logan. Well, I think you proved something there. Um, but yeah, I think that's too lofty of a goal for any any person. You know, I mean, the, you can't you can't actually estimate your life's worth and 
wealth by like if people will remember you, your contribution in 300 years. But or Benny, anything. do you ever think about like, and this is a true, this is a fact that like some like in 30 years, like there'll be some classic rock radio. It's like, let's check out the 59 sound from the Gaslight Anthem. Like, <laughs> big hit and whatever, 2011. And like, that'll be you playing drums on that. That someone like someone will hear this, this thing who like has no reference point And it's just yeah. like, oh, this is some old band. Right. Do you ever think about that? Yeah, I do. But I also quickly go to the fact that like no one fucking cared about the drums now and they don't then. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> so I already have struggles with my own contribution in life, even though I've done like some pretty awesome shit. So, I mean, we could sit here and talk about my fucking stupid existential crutch <laughs> for like hours and hours. But you mentioned something in your podcast that I thought was cool. When you said, and I notice myself doing this as I get older, like often now, especially in the age of like cell phones, I'll like get that instinct to go into my pocket and be like, no, fuck you. Think about something, like do something. You know what I mean? I'll yell at myself. And one of the exercises I've been doing is I've been going into old places I lived or old places I hung out as a kid and try to like walk through the front door and like walk through this place. And go room to room and try to think about furniture and the walls and like... Oh, in your and, mind. You in my head. Right, and yeah, right. and like go through this old house I lived in when I was a hmm. kid and try to like... It's almost like what we're doing on the podcast, essentially. Sort of. It's like revisiting, going right inside the memory. Yeah. And sort of uh, picking it apart or something. Is that... And is that like... the Because I noticed you said there that you like to go through the past as like an exercise for the future. Mm-hmm. And the podcast kind of seemed like some sort of jump into that. So is that is that kind of the something behind the concept of what you guys are doing? I think that clearly, even in this podcast already, there's like a very obvious, painfully transparent uh, attempt to perform therapy to some degree. <laughs> I mean, it seems really obvious that totally. there's a therapeutic function to it, you know, and... I don't even know why I do it in a way. I think it's I think it's part of an artistic um sort of frustration inside like a songwriter or something. It's like uh, I hope this is relatable to 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 people in general but like, you know, you just mine through yourself. You mine for like these kind of it's like knots in your back or something and you're and you feel these things that have like charge to them you know and the stories of your life in some ways are all you have you know which is kind of pathetic in some ways because you just sort of like what are they but just you know these silly tales of throwing water balloons at your you know teacher in sixth grade or something but somehow it has this we're hanging out with Polly shore's mom true it but like the story itself cool. has some sort of uh there's something in it. It's like you can feel that it has a presence to it. So it must mean that there's something to be taken from it. And and you just sort of go on this uh, wager that another person has a similar frustration or not in their consciousness or their psyche. And, and you're trying to meet people in the middle with like exposing yourself. And the, the, the challenge is to make something unique too. 
and sure. all you have is your fucking self in life you know the, the the things that you have gone through and so but you seem to be blessed with some fairly unique stories and happenings i mean well maybe not blessed i mean you created them for yourself but. a lot of it's just really funny to me that like somehow maybe i survived something or you know it's a place where darkness and morbidity meet humor which is probably like them a very ancient nexus point you know it's probably something that you know i think even the existentialists said like it's kind of what saves life is being able to laugh at the worst things you know and so i think that was Kierkegaard. but it's like it's a very it's a very necessary thing to be able to face the facts and stare right into them and laugh at them you know and so it's kind of a place I think that other people can meet us halfway and, and sort of be like, they can remember being stalked by somebody. Or even the first time, for example, with episode one, like the first time you meet a really famous person, if you ever have, that's a very, it's a really weird thing. Like, like meeting that particular comedian was really strange because you start to see in what ways a super famous person has not learned a lot of basic things about life. Like mm -hmm. in the story, it's very difficult to tell a story well. And I don't think I'm very good at it, so I have to do a lot of editing. I think you're good at it. Well, my mind gets really bogged down in a lot of details. And like, for example, one detail in the story that anyone would gloss over is that we go out to the beach and he he makes me hold his hand and we he wants to walk in put his toes in the water cuz he's scared of the water you know and that kind of thing when you're you're meeting a really famous person for the first time is is just a really it's a very baffling thing to enter their universe and feel like you're you're totally nobody and they're sort of they they always have this weird glow to them like a like a like a buddha or a guru that's like letting you in to this enlightened moment or something so they have this power angle on you and you're seeing the ways in which they're totally deformed but you're totally ignoring those things because you're feeling this high off of i mean those kinds of experiences are just fucking interesting you know and i, I mean i would listen to anyone else tell their version of that kind of i would be fascinated so i have to go on this wager that someone else can tolerate my stupid you know telling of these kinds of stories but it's just it's just a wager that that someone else can find it interesting at all you know and if you want to check this out check out <laughs> drifter sympathy and feral audio and and we're discussing the first episode which deals a lot with emil's early stories going to la uh, one one thing I found interesting about it, I was curious, is you know the story you're talking about with this guy Ron, that that kind of <laughs> almost started talking about Ron, and then I was like, we got to talk more about Ron, bizarre kind of man oh, who man. you had a relationship with when you were younger. Um, now, like <laughs> there were parts of these stories that seems so wildly inappropriate to me, <laughs> especially at the age you were telling me you were telling them at. That uh -huh. I was like <laughs> curious if you'd um, 
A, embellish some of these things for fun, or um, or did you know at the time it was funky, or did you have a hard time talking about it? I don't really know where to go with, I, I, with I wanna, what I heard in here. I want to add to, did you, Emil, at any point in your life, did you think you'd be sitting down to be interviewed about Ron? Well, I mean... I mean, it's pretty fascinating. I agree. Obviously, (laughs) I like recorded all the memories. You know what I mean? So obviously, I thought it was interesting enough to to memorize everything, you know. But uh, no, actually, to answer your question, I'm holding back like some stuff that I don't want to put in it. And it's actually been really difficult for me to navigate some of the details because... I got myself in this situation. I obviously made the decision that this was entertainment worthy bullshit that I'm talking about, right? And so I have no one to blame. Obviously, I'm going to potentially come off as somebody who uh, is way too interested in themselves. So this is very difficult for me to do well. You know, like I want to tell these stories as though they're kind of like a really universal thing, you know, like watching stand by me or something, Hmm. you know, you watch stand by me and, and you're, you're sucked into the, the world of these little kids that find the dead body Mm -hmm. by the train tracks, you know, and you don't ever think like, Oh, Gordy's a fucking narcissistic idiot or whatever. (laughs) You know, you never think that you just like, you have so much uh, compassion for for what River Phoenix is going through and sure. like his, the family he comes from and all the shit. And so, if a story is told well, I always empathize with Verno personally. <laughs> that was kind dope. of my my guy. Yeah, it's so weird. I watched, I rewatched a version of that online the other day, and they had edited out all these parts in the movie. Really, that really confused me. And one of the parts, you know, I mean, there's some kind of. Uh, I guess, like, disturbing parts of the movie. You could see they would edit for, like, a G audience. But one of the scenes they edited out was when Vern drops his comb through the frickin' train tracks, and the train's coming, and he he starts going really fast, you know? I Maybe maybe they thought that that's, like, too early for kids to to know about Vern's potential death scene, you know, or whatever. You watch this on, like, TNT, where they just randomly edit the fuck out of it? Yeah, is that what it is? I swear that they do, like, they have an AI that edits films, because they never, never makes sense. They cut out key stuff all the time. A robot. Yeah, I honestly believe that it's something like that, or just an intern. They're like, okay, we just need 30 minutes taken out of here for acts. Right. And they just fucking chop away. Wow. I honestly have seen, I I can't watch that, I I can't watch that fucking network anymore, because they've destroyed films. Why would... So just the Arch general idea that an <laughs> underage kid may die was too much? I, dude, I, I don't know, but uh, it gets into... It was the brush lobby. <laughs> it was the brush lobby <laughs> injecting the media. No combs are I, to be shown on TNT. I have been spending <laughs> hundreds <laughs> of hours uh, editing. Like hundreds of hours of editing. of editing the podcast, yeah, and like my fucking hand is about to fall off, my hips hurt from sitting. I just the amount of work that goes into it for me to feel like it's it's good enough for someone else to hear is it's humiliating. Like how much time I have to put into it, and of course, like Jonah has emphasized wisely, like you're not r- making money off this stuff. 
it's like all I talk about. Well, I think it's 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 a mind-boggling thing that you get yourself into. You're like you feel this artistic urge that you're like, I really want to tell this story, and then you're like, why am I doing this? But you do. But you're doing like that's the thing. Like I I will like make a joke about it, but then it's like I come in and I like doing it and I do this all the time. Yeah. Like if I was like. Well, maybe, yeah, whatever, you know, then I would just sit at home. I could do and that just as easy, and much as, easier. As somebody who listened to it, I do find. I mean, I find a lot of podcasts. You could easily tell a story, and it would feel like a generally, I, I suppose, like, um, like you mentioned before, some some over uh, analysis of yourself mm-hmm. or something like that, right. self-aggrandizing. But I found the the vibe of it with how you did even from the layout of the site to its name to the the music tracks and how kind of like how you tell the stories in a very like sort of nice methodical way and stuff i felt like i was listening to something that was like that like a family like uh the old mystery stories yeah. that you like a family would listen to around the radio That's in like the twenties or thirties. And it and it really felt like that. So yeah. if you did all that work to attempt to make it feel like that, it was totally successful. Yeah. It's definitely based on that kind of the, the shadow nose era of like people gathering around the radio and the lights turned down and yeah. the sound effects. I it was vibey. It was so super beautiful. vibey and it's hard for a podcast to do that. So I'm I'm giving True. you credit. Your your cranky neck is uh worth it. Yeah. You know? Fuck yeah. it. Even though everything we do means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good time to introduce me and Benny's new hardcore band. <laughs> Pardon? That was just that was our new song. Oh. I thought maybe. I was hoping. What about your new biography, The Schmear of Life? <laughs> I, just le- I learned story. what a schmear was today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that hard to believe? That's what I thought. I thought that was my reaction. I had always knew it was in relation. I knew it was a bagel-related thing. Remember, but- Jonah's a Jew from Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> All right, different story out there. I I never. I I mean I. If I had a feeling it was cream cheese related, but I, I thought I thought it was like a special kind of like bagel or a special shape or like a I don't know. I never. Wait, but you can have a schmear of any spreadable yeah. item. You can. It doesn't have to be. So, yeah. You can have a schmear of butter, or a schmear of. We've got a schmear expert in here, John Weiner. Uh, a schmear of whitefish, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, oh, so <laughs> many times we gotta tell you not to fucking do the Jewish voice, Brad. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I was telling for you, man. Oh. <laughs> I gotta. I feel like I gotta use the Lord's name in vain somehow now to get you back or something. Okay, so schmear is just means. If I say I want a bagel with with cream cheese, or if I say I want a schmear, it's the same thing. Uh, Essentially, okay. Well, I feel like if I was like actually, if I was like I want a schmear, I feel like they'd be like, "What?" I would. I would give less. If somebody asked for a schmear. Yeah, that was no schmear, by the way. I think a schmear is like, let me get like a of cream cheese, not a of cream cheese. Or this, are these, is that working? I, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think you're correct originally, but I think now it just means cream cheese on your bagel. May now. Yeah. But I do feel like if you had an open-faced bagel, 
Right. You'd want like to cream cheese is like you're you're really like layering it on, like icing right. on a cake. Now the schmear is just like know what it looks like. I'm taking one of those fat it's, butter knives. I'm going. Whoosh, it's thin whoosh. at the beginning and it gets thick right before. Yeah, it ends. exactly. That's a fucking schmear. Exactly. See, like a Philadelphia cream cheese ad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I use the accent again now? No, you're done. <laughs> Banned. Spanish, you you, you got to be careful too. What if one of these guys in your building starts listening to this? You're gonna not be able to put up a potted plant I've and get it the, past I've the co-op lived in New board York for so long now that I consider myself an honorary Jew. You do. Yeah. You sound like Donald Trump. <laughs> he's, he's amazing. He's a, Brad's the best Jew ever. Yeah, I'm a fantastic he's Jew. I got. I got no a better lot of, dude than this guy. I got a lot of. I got a lot of good people working for yeah. me. Top people. <laughs> the best. The best, the best people. The best people. <laughs> Oh it work and I get the best accent, people. <laughs> have you ever seen, Emil, have you ever seen the movie L.A. Story with Steve Martin? Yeah, it's been a while. Because, like, the way you were describing L.A. to me reminded me of that movie. It's the one where he gets head and has a wreck or something. Well, he... he, oh, he, has he that one no, no, no. You're thinking of parenthood. One? Oh, sorry. When Mary Steenburgen tries uh. to give him a blowy on the way home and he crashes. Yeah. Okay, sorry about After, that. After uh, Kevin's retainer gets lost in the trash. Oh, yeah. I've seen that movie a couple times. Um, L.A. Story is also Steve Martin. Uh, but this is the one where his car breaks down. It's very over-the-top L.A. Like, that's the point. Like, you drive you know two houses down there's an earthquake every five seconds like it's a funny take on la and he uh ends up um getting advice from a street sign one of those light up freeway street signs and and that kind of causes his path i i don't have to explain the movie that's boring (laughs) but um yeah i got some of the stories kind of came across in that way where la is always this place to me that's like it is like I don't know what the fuck is happening in that town sometimes. It's really hard for an East Coaster to to wrap your head around, even the way like people interact with each other and stuff like that. Yeah. Is that maybe one of the reasons like the stories like kind maybe sound a little abstract because of the way you were perceiving it from not, not being from around there? I think that you know, it's hard. You don't want to sound like a judgmental. You know, you don't want right. to sound like you're like going to alienate people by saying, you know, everybody in LA is insincere. And at the time when I was living there with Duncan, um, all I got was just like negativity from other people that weren't living in LA. They were just like, that's the worst place on earth. And I was like, why? I'm just in a fucking apartment, like living my life. Uh, I don't see how you can from halfway across the country just surmise that this everybody in this town is an idiot you know i don't i don't get how you can do that um but so in telling a story you have to set the stage you have to like you know you have to create the atmosphere and there are a lot of inherent judgments to like painting a picture you know and so you know a great man named jonah (laughs) gave me some advice recently and it keeps ringing in my head uh, Jonah's rubbing his uh, chin right now too, as we talk very gently. Sometimes there is a man, you know. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so he basically, I was I was having a little bit of a panic attack because 
as I'm editing these, what I do is I basically come in with Jonah. We just, I just kind of launch into a story and I know which stories are better than others. So I'm sort of like, just fucking go for it. And a lot of times I know that I don't want to tell a lot of the details, but I figure for the, you know, to have more on the editing room floor or whatever, that's a professional term, right? Mm -hmm. Sounds right. Um, To have more to work with, more options, I figure I should just tell the rawest version of the story and I can edit out details later, you know? And so sometimes I go home and I'm, I'm listening to this shit and I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I can't believe I'm talking about this particular person, you know, like really kind of, you know, laying this person out, uh, in a way that, you know, shows something they did that was really kind of horrible, you know, or whatever. Plus I have to edit that out all the time, you know, or whatever, which tells someone nothing. I don't know why I say that every five seconds. My father consistently hits me up after listening to these telling me that I said like too much. Yeah, of course. This is a tough one for me too. It's super like, yeah, but so, uh, so I was like having a panic attack because I tell this story about there was a couple friends of mine and I don't know if you took a lot of acid but I, I would say I took you know uh, over, an average amount of acid yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I took an amount of acid I want to say judge. I took <laughs> <laughs> he can't help himself he can't help himself <laughs> I love it's so hard to offend Benny. <laughs> I love it every time you do it. Just like <laughs> stop now. I love it. I, I love it stop. so much. Oh. I, think I think your new name is just Jaime now. <laughs> I'm, I'm never gonna call you Brad again. Jaime, that's cute. Yeah. Um. Uh. So anyway, I, uh, I, I had yeah a couple. I, I took at least let's say, uh, you know two to three hundred hits or something like that whoa and so over the course of that two of my best friends as kids you know dudes that i went to elementary school with um took it with me and they spun off and into like schizophrenic kind of tragedies you know and these are two guys that will eventually listen to this so me just saying that right now is weird you know it's fucking weird for me to say that you know but it's also true Mm. so it's very difficult but maybe if i could tell the story well they could it could honor their struggles you know i don't i don't know if that's possible because some of it's really embarrassing dark and humiliating or funny you know but so one day I was I was really struggling with the fact that we did this whole fucking episode on one of my buddies who had kind of become a casualty, you know, which I haven't fully edited yet. But um, and he the kid just pops up online, just pops up out of nowhere, like a couple days later. Serendipitous. And I, I, you know, this is 20 years uh. after the fact. After the last time I saw him. His ears were burning, huh? Yeah. And so bam, he's like a real person again. And he's like, follow me on Twitter. And uh, Does that give you scruples about the episode now that it's not as anonymous as it could have been? It's totally anonymous, but it just give it just, you know, I should be doing this responsibly, right? 
and and I was just freaking out about it. And a great man named Jonah <laughs> said to me, probably callously and just trying to get me to shut up. He was like, uh, dude, uh, I think you just got to live your life, man. <laughs> Sounds like my advice. <laughs> but every day I hear that now. Like every really? day I could be going through the worst. I'll probably be on a hospital bed, you know, dying. <laughs> and I'll be like questioning, you know, what I'm going to fucking, what, what Gerber shit I'm going to be eating yeah, that day. Yeah. And it, I just hear it for the rest of my life. I think I'm going to hear Jonah's voice pop in and go like, just shut up. Like live your life. You know, do what you need to do. Yeah. I'm it's great advice. It. <laughs> Dude, it's, I it's think fantastic it's, it's it's profound, really. Actually, it is you you're know? like you're like Brooklyn Sam Elliott, <laughs> just laying it down, simple, drinking a sarsaparilla. Yeah, I love it, Joni. Are you? Do you live? Do you live on like a higher plane of consciousness? No, absolutely not. Not, not low. I what about the lower one. Yeah, what about the yeah, lower one? Maybe I don't know. I think I'm in the same one as you guys. Uh, is it consistent <laughs> wherever it is? My consciousness? Yeah. <laughs> Let's break down Jonah. Does this chair recline? <laughs> Can you get on Let's, the couch? Let's break Jonah down. Let's deconstruct. There is a couch in here. Well, it's interesting. New podcast, it, it's, Deconstructing Jonah. Well, what's interesting <laughs> no? is like, you know, like, I like it. it's I like weird because it. like you don't, you never know how like other people view you. Like I just view me as like. Yeah, this is me. <laughs> like, so it's weird when people are like, well, you seem like this, or like, what's your, because I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, it's like, and it's happened so much with my job. Like, I'm like, how do you think this record is different than this record and this record? And like, being a musician too, it's like, I don't know, dude. Like, I made this thing, and this is where I am in my life, and I don't know how it fits into this thing you have to write about. Like, I want to try to help you, but it's also right. like, I don't think about things that way. I just make stuff. I just is just who I am. So it's, when it's not so, always great. So because of that, when when you're doing a write up on a band, and a band gives you like a super specific answer as to why their record developed into a way it did, do you just think they're full of shit? Uh, no. I think most of the time they believe it. Mm. <laughs> I think great. I think everybody I, thinks the way you just described of themselves. And great artists and it's, it, politicians it, learn to fucking come up with the fucking lines. Well, it is fun. it is funny whenever when, I went to art school. I know for a whenever fact. I will say <laughs> I will say after interviewing probably thousands of bands, like especially bios and stuff, like every band's like, you know, I hate to use this word, but I really do think this record's more mature. And it's like, well, well, yeah, you got older. It's yeah. So it's like it's like <laughs> I, I I understand why that because it does sound like it's like a ridiculous adjective. But yeah, I mean, like I think that's true. I mean, that doesn't mean something's better. Like you could get more mature and make worse music. That happens all the time. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people think. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're always building off what you did before, I guess. Have you ever compared music to wine and or cheese in your writing um, as far as aging goes? <laughs> I don't know. It's a little hacky, I think. I feel like you could bring it in more, though, if you get specific. Like, say, the new Metallica record is heavy again. You can say they aged, but just be like, they didn't age like, uh, you know, like a Swiss. They aged like a really hard, sharp cheddar, <laughs> where now you bite in and it's... Mm, it's bold flavors and it, you know... Oh, I thought you meant rocks. like, you know, like... 
Metallica is, is getting whiny in their old age, and I find their new record to be cheesy. I feel like they're more like cheddar that's been like left out in the sun. <laughs> just melted? Yeah. <laughs> and just say, I don't want to eat it anymore. Oh, like, like grease on the outside? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I guess, but in that, like then you could pizza. take off like the old crusty parts and there's still like Yeah, there a might good... be something on the inside. Oh, nice. You know? Good way to pull it pull it back. Yeah, I'm just saying, let's deconstruct some cheese now. For yeah. real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mozzarella for all. <laughs> That's not, that doesn't rhyme. <laughs> Metallica cheese pun. Yeah, where's your puns, dude? Yeah, you've been... You're sitting here talking about fucking death all day. I know. You can't come up with a pun, pun. To, like, even out. I know, I know. <laughs> Meal's gonna walk out of here if you don't do one. <laughs> we gotta get back to death fast. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I've been Dyer's- smiling for, like, five minutes. This sucks. <laughs> Uh, so, email. can we expect some more episodes of Drifter Sympathy? I think we can. Oh, man. Uh, I'm really struggling with the, with the new one is the, is the classic story where I was almost raped by a guy dressed like Michael Jackson while I was on acid. Classic. And, uh. That old bag. Yeah, that old one. <laughs> story as old as time. <laughs> uh, and it's just... Yeah, I think you just there's so many ways I could fuck it up, you know. I just I'm just trying to I you wouldn't you wouldn't think you could fuck that story up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could see it. I could see the potential for that story being so great that it has high expectations. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's Cuz when you say that, I'm expecting a hell of a story. I thought that was well, the story. It's not over. That was it. <laughs> you didn't need to say anything else. <laughs> well, you you know, it's like I guess it's like a movie or 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 a song. It's like you you work on it for hours and hours and hours, and then you walk out in the world, and it kind of in inhabits you. You know, you're sort of like in that world, mm-hmm. and it, so it's kind of like a dark, uh, sort of depressing state to 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 stay in. You know, all the time. But uh, are you finding any catharsis from it? It's hard because it's 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 outweighed by the amount of work that it takes to kind of like file it all down into it's like, it's like making a great sculpture or something. It's like, sure. It's gratifying, but like your fucking hands are bleeding and you know, it hurts, you know, to, to make it right. But, um, you want, you guys want to go back to death? I got a little metaphor for you. Sure. Yeah, sure. please bring us down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, out of coffee anyway. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I was just, I was on a tour recently and uh, I think I must have been in Wisconsin. Have you toured through, have to drive through Wisconsin before? Many times. Yeah. See, I'd never been there before, ever, uh, that I can remember. I'd never been to Madison. I got sort of like excited for some reason because people, I feel like in the old days, used to say Madison was this like really like, interesting little college town i was like i don't know what they were talking about i think sometimes when you get out to certain parts of the country just the fact that a college is there yeah makes it interesting more interesting than the rest of wisconsin yeah maybe the collective standards have gone up because like three bands made it out of there or like something so it's just who the who epicenter is center of Madison? culture I mean, we all know who's from, like, Minneapolis, but, like, who's from Madison? Um, yeah, don't know. Don't know. Yeah. This is a metaphorical three bands I said in my head. I just assumed 
that three bands made it out of Madison, yeah. Wisconsin. I mean, you never know. This is like it's always a Bob Dylan, Steve Miller band. Oh, Are you Miller. fucking kidding? Steve Miller's from Madison. That. Damn. Yeah, uh, I've got respect for Madison. Yeah, put some respect on his name. <laughs> that's got pr- it. That's pretty much you it. it. Are you serious? They're from Madison. <clears throat> and uh, have you ever had a cheese curd, particularly a fried cheese curd? Oh, it says it says Steve. Those are good. Those are good. It says Steve <laughs> Steve was born in Milwaukee. Oh. But I think the band... That kind of makes sense, though, I suppose. Yeah. That's weird. I mean, you think of Steve Miller as, like, you know, this kind of San Francisco... Yeah, I did think of him as a coastal He's cat. also... I've talked about this before. Do you... Maybe you guys... Do you guys have any idea what Steve Miller looks like? He's... Of I course. Think, what are you talking about? He's, to me, one of the biggest <laughs> musicians that everyone knows his music and is completely faceless. Yeah, well, that that is part of what's like, I know kind what of intriguing. Like, well, and and I know what the Eagles look like. You know what they look that. like? I don't know. If, Steve Miller, you could be fucking Steve Miller. I wouldn't know. <laughs> but Brad's I think he's, big I think he's one of those guys that, that and he just is kind of not have the look. Yeah, but I think I he was like, probably like that. In he the didn't 70s. put himself on the cover of his albums. Right, he's not, he doesn't have. That's a actually not true. He's, he's really? on the cover he of. He like, only has that one Joker. greatest hits album. Yeah. He just that's it. No, he's on the cover of like the biggest his biggest mm-hmm. record, like Fly Like an Eagle or whatever. I think he's on. He's on the cover of that. Yeah. He's on the cover of the Joker, and yeah. <laughs> so there you go. He's invisible. He's invisible to me. But I mean, he he may have just been blessed with a certain opaqueness he yeah, looks yeah. like a football player he looks like steven stills or something they're just kind of like blah i'm not don't... a fan of his music to be totally honest well that's a radical notion <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of which Wait, sorry what yeah. is the connection yeah. between madison wisconsin okay. your metaphor on death well it was really to get off topic there. it was interesting uh I, I felt pretty on topic to me but uh, <laughs> uh we were playing Madison, first time in my life. And Which band is this? This is Holy Sons was opening for Earth. Okay. Nice. And uh, Holy Sons is gifted, uh, blessed with a certain talent for uh, ending up at strangers' homes night after night after night after night. Like, we'll, we can go on tours uh, and never pay for a single hotel. And we're talking with no planning. And, 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 I don't know. I'm not. That's not like a boast. That's like I'm baffled by how that happens. And this particular night, we were uh, playing Madison, and Dylan Carlson from Earth was like kind of bobbling around uh, on the sidewalk out front, talking to some Wisconsiners or whatever you call them. And he he came up to me. He's like, "There's a like a farm in the." in the Amish, like deep in the Amish farmland that you guys could stay at tonight, just call this number. And so I call, this sounds like it's going to get really dark, right? Sounds like a horror movie. (laughs) Texas Chainsaw. In my head, someone's wearing someone else's face. Yeah. Someone is technically always wearing someone else's face somewhere, you know? (laughs) That's, I think Confucius said that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so so the, no, the, it doesn't get dark at all. But, but we so we call this number. We drive out into Amish farmland, and we wake up in the morning. How far? A long trip? Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it was like an hour and a half or something. But it's like you're just fucking stranded. You have nowhere to go. These people are clearly super nice, uh, who you haven't even met, 
you know, they're like, sure, come, come out here. Like, we'll, we'll make you breakfast in the morning. You're going to wake up on an organic, or, organic farm, like in the middle of like f- motherfuckers were like in their Amish clothes on like wagons with horses, like jamming by us in the morning. It was like the most beautiful scene I've ever seen. But as we're driving out, we pass through countless houses where, and I'm being literal about this, is like we pass a house, an old farmhouse, like 1830 or something, and the graveyard is like in the front yard. Mm. I'm talking like 10 feet from the window. So this means... All the children through their life, you know, immediately I would get this visual of just them growing up, coming out to eat their oatmeal in the morning with just the crosses of the dead people in their family, like right in front of their window. As they age, they just slowly move towards the graveyard. You know, they're just like in their mind, they're like, I'll be there soon, 10 feet away with the other people under the crosses, you know, or whatever. And so it just struck me as kind of like, you know, and you, I've told that story a couple of times and people are always like, well, death was different then. You know, everybody just like sums it up with a, it was different then. You know, I, I okay, I guess it was different then. Like, but well, that's death still. Death was the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. But it it just struck me as like, I clearly, it probably was somehow perceived differently i suppose or you had to disassociate from it in a different way or something but it seemed odd to put it so close to your front door i think i just told the story recently to someone they said i think probably the best theory i've heard is they were like that was probably a part of holding their loved ones close to them mm-hmm. or something like you know that was a, a part of like well grand, grandpa is still right with us you know right. this is like we we love them we honor them maybe that's why it was happening yeah, it just the, seems yeah the same way with Brad you were saying earlier how you lost that person and you just understood that they didn't go away that something was left behind maybe it gives those families the feeling that their family's still close to them watching out hanging out maybe even maybe yeah. you go out in the morning with your oatmeal you're like yo sup pops <laughs> and it's kind of like you're hanging out yeah that, can, well, that makes more sense to me now i guess i selfishly <laughs> just thought about the personal experience of like you know i a child who who wants something out of the world you know that wants to like potentially go out there and and make their mark, you know, just sitting there looking at the the tombstone, haunting that ability to just like. Well, their life break is out. only ten feet long. Their right. path or, of life or, is ten right. feet not around the world. But, or in the sure. contrary, the the thing that we both spoke about in this podcast, talking about how just the knowledge and constant reassessment of the fact that you're going to die motivates my life. Sure. So. Maybe the same thing, this being 10 feet in front of someone's face was their inspiration to get out of Amish country and start uh, that would make more sense. or, you know, a, a cosmetic company, Estee <laughs> you know, something big, you yeah. know, something big, something uh, meaningful, yeah. something meaningful with your life. Yeah. Maybe they got out and they uh, 
They're the ones who invented ice cube trays, which are awesome. Is that an Amish invention? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that that makes more sense, I suppose. But but I'm just trying to find a silver lining here. You know. Yeah, I imagine for some people there isn't one. No, yeah. you know. Where it's like very, it's rusted, it's oxidized. They're just like, yeah, they, they're just already digging their spot oh, out yeah. there, you know, day in, day Leg out. Leg and a half in, just waiting. Totally. Jonah's looking at me with a sense, like he's horrified no, at, yeah. at my character. I know, I like it. Okay. This is a great great story to tell. It sounds, though, that this is going to lead to the great man, Jonah Bayer, laying some, like, really deep, awesome wisdom on you. In no time, it's probably gonna happen soon. You want to finish this off with some? I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't have. I don't have it. I don't have anything. <laughs> I'm just listening. Mm. Hey, just mm. you just just live your life, dude. Yeah, just be yourself. Yeah, that Thanks. works for any situation, pretty much. Yeah, we're all gonna die. All right. So uh, thanks to Emil for coming by. Check out the new Holy Sons record, Fact Facer, out now on Thrill Jockey. Check out my other podcast with Emil, Drifter Sympathy, available now over at Feral Audio. Thank you to Rubber Tracks for hosting both of these podcasts. And thank you to you for listening. If you want to donate to this podcast, com. you can donate there. You can leave us a nice review on iTunes. You can rate us. You can tweet at us. You can harass us. You can... I don't know. Is somebody's tweeting at you right now? Someone's tweeting. My phone's blowing up because someone's <laughs> probably tweeting at me right now about how much they love this podcast <laughs> or about something super critical that I can't control. So anyways, thanks for listening. Uh, check out all of my stuff. Check out all email stuff. Brad, we love you. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next Wednesday with another episode. Yeah.